Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church, where we are going to church with the whole world. The whole world's not watching, obviously, but people all over the world are tuning into this broadcast every single week and going to church with you. You know, for years, I've traveled all over the world, and the most sad thing that I would be asked when I would leave a meeting is, well, where will I go to hear this? Well, here's where you go. You go to Impact Cyber Church. We're not trying to replace the local church, but we're trying to nurture believers all over the world in the message of grace, peace, faith, righteousness, unconditional love of God, and reaching the world for Jesus. Listen, today we're going to be talking about entering the secret place, and I'm going to tell you something. I don't even know if I can convey my excitement for this, because when I think about being able to enter into that secret place with God, that place of intimacy that not just everybody goes to, man, my heart leaps inside. And I'll be back in a minute. Don't go away. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want you to know that I've got a great free message that you can download this month. It's called Prayers That Always Get Answered. When you pray your prayers, you want to know that they're going to be answered. This is going to help you tremendously. You know, this month we're talking about prayer. We're talking about New Covenant prayer specifically. We're talking about New Covenant prayer that always gets results. And, you know, I'm just so excited about this. But I know I'm always afraid when I start talking about something like this, immediately people's mindset's going to go back to some religious formula that you used to work or some obligation that you had about how many minutes or hours you should pray a day. You know, discipline usually precedes grace working in our life. Now, grace is always working in our life. For example, when we make a decision to have a prayer life, the whole idea, and it can get twisted out, so there's a whole idea behind just having a discipline that says, every day, I'm going to make sure I spend 15 minutes with God, or I'm going to make sure I spend 30 minutes with God, or whatever. You know, that starts out as a discipline, and you get grace, if you will, to fulfill that discipline. But you don't want to stay in that thing of discipline. And, you know, one of the great failures of the prayer movement of the 1980s was this. Dr. Paul Young and Cho taught people to pray an hour a day. I taught people to pray an hour a day. Larry Lee taught people to pray an hour a day. A lot of people taught people to pray an hour a day. And it was based on when Jesus asked his disciples, could you not tarry with me for one hour? And I don't know what their motives were, but I know from my motive, it really wasn't to get you sucked into your safety and your righteousness being connected to praying an hour a day. It was just making a decision about what you wanted to do and trusting God to help you do it. But at some point in time, that discipline goes away. That hour goes away. The idea of an hour goes away because discipline, when you're allowing grace to work in discipline, then ultimately it becomes a lifestyle. And when it becomes a lifestyle, then the discipline is no longer needed. So, you know, don't go to some place about the past. Don't be afraid of the concept of prayer. Don't, like Jesus said, men to always watch and pray. Don't ever get to the place to where you're not watching and praying. You know, today we're talking about the secret place. And You know, when I think about the secret place, the secret place that we have in God, of course, my mind races to all of the 
people out there, the ministers out there that are wrestling with understanding dead works and good works. They're, they're wrestling with understanding, you know, what God has called us to do and how to do that without getting into legalism or dead works. And for what most people do in a situation like that is they just, they swing completely to one side or the other, either to extreme legalism or extreme liberalism, and they always miss the point. But there's this idea, you know, we are all loved equally of God. We are all accepted equally of God. We are all anointed equally of God. But that does not mean we are all experiencing God equally. You know, I have, uh, counting all of my adopted kids and my natural kids, I have six daughters that I love very deeply, love every one of them very deeply and very uniquely. But what's interesting is this. As a father, you're kind of saying, you know, all that I am is here and all that I have is here. And then the burden falls on that child to decide how close they want the relationship to be. You know, the Bible even teaches that the believers are the one that should take the responsibilities to get to know their teachers. It's not the teacher's responsibility to force you to be endeared to them. It's your responsibility to know those who have the rule over you, as King James says. As a father, it's the same thing. Well, it's the same thing with God. And I've said this so many times. You know, Jesus spoke some things to the multitudes. Then he spoke some things to the disciples, which were several hundred people. Then he spoke some other things that he didn't speak to those groups, to the apostles. And then out of the apostles, there were three that he seemed to speak some things to that he didn't speak to anybody else. And then there's even the possibility that he spoke some things with John that he didn't speak to anybody else. And that's why John was referred to as the apostle whom Jesus loved. And the point wasn't that he loved John more than anybody else. The point was that John pressed in out of his own hunger. John wanted to know Jesus. And so this whole thing about entering into the secret place, I want you to understand something. There are things that you can know and experience about God that nobody else will know, not because they can't, but because they're not willing to. They're not willing to press into that place. And just stop and think about it. Man, you would be so impressed if you had an invitation to stand before a king or a president or, or somebody of extreme importance, someone that you admired. We have the opportunity to enter into a secret one-on-one -on -one meeting with God, the creator of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of all things. And I'm telling you something, that is not something that should be taken lightly. You know, when Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray, and we talked about this last week, he started out with getting them to connect to the idea of knowing him as father, connecting to him as father, not as master, and not throwing away the idea that we should reverence him, that we should hold him in all. Now, don't throw that away. But at the same time, come to him like you would come to your father. You know, one of the interesting things about coming to him like you would come to your father is the fact that, you know, when a servant comes to the master, he knows that none of the resources are his. He knows that the resources belong to the family. They don't belong to him. So he's always inquiring to see if what he needs will be given to him or not. But when it's a son and an heir, then there's no question that all that the father has is ours and all that the father has, he's already chosen to share with us. So coming to him as father means we're coming with the assumption that we're always going to be answered. But then Jesus moved to the place. He said, this is how you need to pray. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Well, hallowed means to acknowledge something as holy. Well, why would the name of God be holy? Well, the main reason is this. There is no separating God and His name and His Word. In fact, in the prayer organizer, one of the things that I do with the prayer organizer, and, I, and you know, I've updated the prayer organizer several times over the years. I think I'm going to update it again. I've got some things I'm thinking about. But one of the correlations that I wanted to make in the prayer organizer was this. This is God's name. These are the scriptural promises rooted on God's name. So now you have God's name, and now you have God's Word. And then you have what Jesus accomplished at the cross. So, man, you've got the holy trifecta there of God's name, God's word, and what happened at the cross. Man, that should be something that so totally persuades our heart, but so totally causes us to be consumed with the wonder, the holiness of God's name. You know, the word holy, and there's a lot of concepts about the word holy. One of the concepts about the word holy is this, is that something that is holy is not common. It is not used for everyday things. It's only used for those things that are set apart for something special. So if God's name is holy, then we come to God the Father and we pray in the name of. You know, if you go back and look at the scriptures, you know, even back in Psalm 91 where the psalmist says, uh, because you have known my name, you know, I will protect you. Because you've known my name, these things will come to pass in your life. See, everything in the New Testament is rooted in the Old Testament. And uh, boy, if you want to get into error quick, ignore what God said in the Old Testament. Everything has got to be brought into an interpretation that's based on the life and the teaching of Jesus, but also based on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So you have to interpret the Old Testament in light of what Jesus portrayed. But there is no different truth in the New Testament than there was in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, he talked to them about knowing their name and the benefits of knowing their name. Well, now, when we pray in the name of Jesus as Westerners, we're not really using His name in faith. We tend to use it more like a formula because we're not really seeking the miraculous. We're seeking magic, and magic works off of incantations. You see, the person that prays in the name of the Lord Jesus knows and believes and trusts all that name means and all that name reveals about the person. See, we are to pray based on the name of God and based on the, the names of Jesus. And it's more than just a formula. It's more than just saying his name and thinking, because I've said your name, you've got to answer my prayer. That's based on an occult philosophy that says, if you know the name of a God, you can control that God. Well, listen, we can't control him, but we can enjoy him. I'll be back in just a minute. We want to launch into this thing a little father, don't go away. My new series this month, New Covenant Prayer, The Secret of Powerful, Effective Prayer, is going to be a deal changer for you. It's 12 incredible messages. And now listen, I teach this series or reteach this series every few years because prayer is so effective and we've got to have a powerful prayer life. And this month only, I'm going to have a special offer for you. This would normally cost you $84. This month you can get it for $59 in CD or you can download it for less than that on MP3. I want you to remember, and we talked about this in a previous message, that one of three Hebrew words is always connected to the concept of prayer or prophecy or a vision or a miracle or, or any of those kinds of things. So you understand that God 
always wants what we do with him to be connected to a meditative process because it's only a meditative process that actually connects with your heart. So I want you to understand, we've got to keep this in mind. We've got to stay within a meditative process because when you enter the secret place of God, it happens by combining two unique factors. It happens by combining the secret place of your heart, who you are at the deepest level of your being, and combining the secret place in God's heart about who He is at the deepest level of His being. Now, you understand that when you go to the deepest part of your being and the deepest part of God's being, you understand now that you are in a secret place and it's your secret place. It's unique to you. But part of entering into that secret place is, again, the name of God and faith in your own heart. And so that means that I need to be operating faith. I need to be operating trust for who God says He is. You know, that's an amazing thing. See, we have several witnesses in the Word that we tend to overlook. We have the testimony of God's name. It's amazing how many things that we believe about God that are totally inconsistent, incongruent, and in contradiction to the name of God. If you believe something is contradictory to the name of God, then you don't understand what you think you know. You don't understand that Scripture the way that you think you do. And so that's why... When I teach people how to pray, I want it to always be connected to faith in the heart, connecting to the name of God. Faith in the heart, then connecting to God's Word. You know, God's Word and God's name absolutely cannot be accepted. As a matter of fact, the psalmist says, I've exalted above all things my name and my word. So, you know, when you think about worshiping the name of God, and of course, we refer to the Psalms, you know, where Psalm 91, where it talks about knowing his name and the promises that are connected to that name and living under, you know, in the shelter of the Most High, all those kinds of things. Now, see, some people who do not understand the relational aspect of the new covenant, they would say, well, no, see, we all have exactly the same benefits in God. Well, on a certain level, it's true. We all have the same promises. We all have the same benefits. But remember, the question is not, are they given to you? The question is, are you entering into that place to experience them? And the way we enter that place is by believing the character and the nature of God. Well, how can we know the character and the nature of God? Only one way, by what God has revealed about himself. I'll tell you something, we're living in a world where people are jumping off into what their personal revelations, which, you know, I think it was the Apostle Peter that warned about private interpretation. Private interpretation is where you interpret the Scripture independent of the rest of the Scripture, and you make it fit what you want it to fit. Listen to this. In Psalm 91 verse 14, it says, The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on me, I will answer and I'll be with them in trouble and I'll rescue them and I'll honor them and I will reward them with a long life and give them salvation. To a person who doesn't understand our responsibility of choosing God and connecting with God, that person sees that as, as legalistic. They see that as unfair. See, honestly, I don't want to sound too mean here, but the truth is, 
So many of these pop theologians of the last 20 years are really socialist. They're taking a socialist concept because that's what they have come to believe that love is, is based on socialistic concepts. And they are trying to interpret the Bible, interpret what love is based on these concepts of socialism, you know, where everybody all has the same thing. And, you know, everybody should have the same opportunities, but not everybody is going to step up to those opportunities. Not everybody is going to experience those opportunities. So what we want to do is in our heart, as we're acknowledging the names of God, remember we talked about how that praise and worship has to do with saying back, saying back to God what He said because you believe it to be true. So I want to be in a meditative state where I'm saying back to God His names, and I'm saying back to God the scriptures that's connected to his name. I'm saying back to God what that means to me and what I'm choosing in my life because I know uh, the names of God. You know, Psalm 140, 13, I quoted earlier, surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. You know, it's a really interesting thing. When it says, surely the righteous will give thanks to your name and the upright will dwell in your presence. Here's one of the things I've discovered. That's not talking just about the general presence of God. You see, whatever aspect of God I begin to magnify, it doesn't make God move. It doesn't make God come closer to me. It makes me come closer to Him in my own heart. You see, I can make God bigger in my experience because of what's happening in my mind, my emotions, my thoughts, but more importantly, in my heart, where I am personalizing and making it right now, present tense, you know, personal and positive. And so when I'm going to God, let's say that if I need a physical healing in my life, I don't need to dwell in the presence of um, Jehovah Jireh, per se. Now, it's according to how you interpret or translate Jehovah Jireh. I'm just using that as an example. But I need to be dwelling in the presence of Jehovah Rophi, the Lord God who heals thee. I need to be abiding in that aspect of God as the healer. And that doesn't happen sovereignly. That happens more by our choices because of what aspect of God, His name, and His nature that we tend to choose and involve ourselves in. You know, we have what's called the covenant names of God. And we know that God is a covenant-keeping God. And we know that God's covenants are as good as His name. And we also know that we have inherited God's covenant because we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. So God revealed Himself by His names, by His many names. You know, one of the things that we have in the prayer organizer, we have hundreds of the names that the Bible uses to say who the Holy Spirit is and what His ministry is, who Jesus is and what His ministry is, who God the Father is and what His ministry is. And I'm telling you what, there's some days that in my praise and worship, I don't do anything but meditate on and acknowledge some of the names of God. But I want to just kind of walk through this. And what you learn how to do is you learn how that when you call out a name of the Lord, that you immediately, the only way it's going to get real in your heart is you immediately create some thought, imagination, idea, image, or whatever 
of what that would look like in your life right now. So like Jehovah said, can you Jehovah our righteousness? This is where I'm imagining and I'm thinking about and I'm acknowledging that because I'm in Jesus, I am righteous, but I'm also getting a picture of what that looks like. Because you see, the things come into fruition in our life based on what we think they're going to look like in our life. Then, of course, there's another name of God, Jehovah. Some people say Mekedish. I've heard it Mekedish, Mekedish. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I'm not sure. But that means Jehovah who sanctifies. What does that mean? What is that picture? I'm sanctified. I'm set apart. Father, I thank you that you are our Jehovah who sanctifies. I thank you that I am set apart from the world. I thank you that I'm set apart from sin. I thank you that I'm set apart from self-destruction. I thank you that I'm set apart from those who would seek my harm. But I'm set apart unto you for your promises and however long you stay on this, however long it feels right in your own heart. Then, of course, there's Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah our peace. Man, alive, I can just spend hours acknowledging, thanking God for His peace. You know, I spent all of my life tormented. You say, well, I'm not in peace. How can I acknowledge it? Well, what you do is you start experiencing the God of peace and then the peace that passes all understanding. It's going to move into your life. Then there's Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah's present. Father, I thank you that you're always present. You never leave me. You never fail me. You never forsake me. You never have one time abandoned me, even in the depths of my worst decisions, worst choices, and my deliberate sins. You have never abandoned me. I might have abandoned you, but you've never abandoned me. So your presence is with me. So you're just flowing in this as long as you want to flow in it. And of course, there's Jehovah Rophi, the Lord Jehovah who heals, or Jehovah our physician. And man, this is where you start acknowledging him. And of course, in all this stuff, you're acknowledging, hopefully, you know, the promises that we have under the new covenant. Or let me put it, at least in your heart, you're acknowledging that these promises are yours because you're in Jesus. That's what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. That's part of it. Then, of course, there's Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah's provision shall be seen. We tend to limit that mostly to finances, but I'm going to tell you something. Jehovah Jireh means his resources are seen. What kind of resources? Whatever resources you need. You say, well, I'm not seeing my resources come. Then maybe you need to get your heart established in the identity of Jehovah Jireh and into that part of the inheritance that you received in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, of course, there's Jehovah Roha, Jehovah my shepherd. Oh, man, I love worshiping the name of Jehovah Roha. I love the fact that I'm not left to my own devices, my own wisdom, my own carnal planning, my own scheming. But instead, my shepherd is always leading me. And I'll tell you, as you open your heart up to him as your shepherd, you start it experiencing him as your shepherd. And then, of course, there's Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah my banner. And many people point this to the banner of victory but is also the banner of his loyalty. Now, man, you know, I make this statement sometimes, and I believe this, I live this, I never lose. Now, that doesn't mean I win over other people. doesn't mean I always get what I want, but I never lose. I always live in victory because it doesn't matter if my circumstances need to change. You know what? I got faith for that. It doesn't matter if... I need to change. I got the faith for that. It doesn't matter if the mountain moves or if I just get the grace to walk across the mountain. I'm always going to win in every situation. And that's what I think about with Jehovah, my banner. Listen, don't go away. I'll be back with the mentoring moment in just a second.
Make your plans now to be with me on July the 15th, 16th, and 17th for World Changer Weekend. And then again in October, you can check on my website for a Heart Physics Weekend. Listen, we're changing lives, changing the world, changing ourselves, growing in God. You know, almost 40 years ago, God gave me a plan for reaching the world in a way that nearly no one has ever done since the time of Jesus. He said, instead of building a big conglomerate ministry, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but for me, he said, instead of doing this where you have a localized power base, he said, invest in people who are influencers. And so we started Impact International School of Ministry, and we have invested in influencers all over the world so that today, millions and millions of people are hearing this message. People, we won't see this side of heaven. But you know something? We've taken that a step farther with what we call Operation One Billion, where all over the world we are starting Bible schools to train leaders. And in these third world countries, when they go to Bible school and when they get launched out, they go out and evangelize. They go out and start churches. It's not like America where people just go to Bible school and quit. Listen, I would invite you to become not just a world changer with our ministry, but join me in Operation One Billion. You know, our mentoring moment, this is where we get down to application. You know, I've said all this to you before at different times, but, you know, find you a place to pray where you know you're not going to be interrupted. Find you a place to pray and worship where, if possible, other people can't hear you so that you have absolutely no inhibitions. You know, this is one of the things Brenda has always been so great about. If I ever go to pray and I close the door, she never knocks on the door. She is not going to knock on the door. It doesn't matter if I stay in there three days. She is not going to knock on the door. And when our kids were little, you know, she would teach our kids, Daddy's praying right now, and so you can't go up and knock on the door. And so my kids knew that I spent time separating myself. So get you a good place to pray. But the fact that you can pray uninhibited, you're not concerned that anybody's going to hear you, is monumental. And do whatever you have to do in that environment, whether it's music or whatever it is that helps you get into a mindset that's more worshipful and this sort of thing. And when you get in that place, one of the greatest battles that you're going to have to fight is boredom. Because what usually happens, if you're not engaging your heart, then you're not experiencing these things as being real. So before long, this turns into a vain repetition or something else that's very destructive. If you keep it from becoming a vain repetition, what will actually happen is you're magnifying the Lord as you're experiencing God's name in your life and you're, you're seeing, imagining, experiencing, pretending, whatever you're doing to grasp God's name and God's word through the Lord Jesus being real in your life now, that will always persuade your heart. It always makes it believable to your heart. And this is where you move from the place of hope to the place of faith. You know, hope is where you are expecting something to happen. But see, with hope, it may or may not happen yet. Faith is not where you're expecting something to happen. Faith is where you believe something has happened. And I'm telling you something that always happens when you connect in the secret place. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.